Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just be sitting up there jacked I'm there for the pot goat. You just got to pack me in committed to the boat early on like i love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters you know my grandpa roy weatherby i came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just you're canadian we're doing yeah, a canadian I... podcast my name's douglas Bowes. i'm robbie denning hey family <laughs> yeah you gotta keep the wife happy man got to do it sometimes for sure for sure so hey buddy thanks for hopping on the show man thanks for having me yeah um we kind of were chatting back and forth forth through instagram there it looks like uh you're one heck of an outdoorsman trying trying to get out as much as possible yeah uh, no why don't uh for our for our listeners uh, we haven't had you on the show yet why don't you just give us a quick just elevator intro onto on kind of who you are and kind of how you got introduced to the outdoors. Well, um, I don't know how far back you want me to go. Well, I'm born, I'm born and raised, uh, out East, uh, Halifax, Dartmouth area. Um, grew, grew up fishing and seeing the outdoors and, uh, fishing as food. And then, uh, I ended up doing a master's focused in nutrition and looked at food sustainability. And I, that's about the time that I, uh, figured out uh, hunting would probably be a good lifestyle for me. Um, like I said, I was always fishing for food. So when I started uh, getting of the age where I had to buy all my own meat, uh, I was like, why are the good cuts so expensive? And then you learn there's only so many on each animal. And then you learn, well, wouldn't it be nice if I could just get my, a whole animal for myself? And, you know, then came hunting and my obsession for hunting uh, set off very quickly. Man, that's awesome. So you're also uh you're also a wrestling coach, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so I was a wrestler till I was 29. 
uh, competing uh, internationally, traveling all over the world, really. And um, oh, shit. yeah, I, I lived a dream in, in a lot of ways. And then, um, you know, now I'm continuing to try and live each day like it was a, my dream. And so I, I went from, you know, being on the national team, traveling the world, competing all over against the baddest dudes from each country and arguably the toughest sport in the world. And then it's over. Hey, eh? and then you say, you know, who am I? What am I about? And so you, I just dove right into things like hunting and fishing and the outdoors because all of a sudden I had this abundance of time I wasn't used to having and decided to spend it doing the, the best thing I could think of. Yeah, no doubt. So when did you start wrestling? I imagine in high school. Yeah, um, I started, well, probably when I was like 14, 15, junior high age. And um, it was just a school sport for me starting out. I mean, I played every sport I, I could. And then uh, and then I met a coach in high school who took me into his club and uh, just kind of opened a lot of doors from there and inspired me to be a coach one day, which I am now. Um, I coach all ages now. I, I coach uh, four-year-olds all the way up to 32-year-olds. Uh, I have elementary program, four to 12. I have a middle school and high school training center where we uh, train all the kids in our school division and, uh, and the surrounding school divisions in Southern Alberta. Um, that's called Lethbridge Amateur Wrestling Association. And then I started uh, another society called Pronghorn Amateur Wrestling Association that serves the University of Lethbridge Pronghorns. Yeah, that's badass. So, I know, yeah. like, so how, so why, why did you said it, it, it was over like, with a snap of fingers? Why was that? Like, did you, was it something you like, couldn't you have gone into like uh, more of like a mixed martial arts? Like I, I, I listened to the Joe Rogan po podcast quite a bit and he talks about wrestlers moving from wrestling. You know, they go through the same thing. They fight or they wrestle internationally, go to the Olympics, that, and then they kind of transition into MMA. And one thing he says is that uh, wrestling is like, if you're a wrestler moving into like mixed martial arts, it's a lot easier than like uh, a boxer trying to move into mixed martial arts because like wrestling is like if he said if you can wrestle you can fight and I know like man you guys are you guys are bad dudes man you see you guys rolling around the mat there like man I know just like rolling around with my buddies and my brothers growing up man it's tough like and to do it professionally like it's uh it's something else. Yeah, they say it's arguably the toughest sport in the world. Um, yeah, I believe it. But, but I'll speak to like. I guess what, there was a few questions in there to unpack, but uh, they're good ones. Um, I would say uh, my pathway would not be to fight uh, MMA. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist in the sense that like, uh, I eat, sleep, and breathe uh, wrestling, hunting, and fishing. But uh, and it, Yeah, I, I do believe that all wrestlers would make excellent fighters. And to be honest, some of the best fighters in the world are some of my my buddies and training partners through wrestling. I mean, like the Henry Cejudo's, the people like that. I've I've sat at a dinner table having tacos in Guadalajara, Mexico, across the table from that guy. Awesome. Like, I, I, you know, I used to go down and train in Jersey and met Chad Mendez down there before he even fight fought or, or uh, sorry yeah, before yeah. he hunted. He was fighting back then before he hunted and was as famous as he is now. Um, same with Henry. He was just an Olympic champ. He was our hero in our realm, but he hadn't won his two titles in the UFC yet. Um, and, and, but I wouldn't say that like the natural progression for a wrestler would be to graduate wrestling and make their way to mm -hmm. MMA. Um, I think that 
Um, it's a great way to leverage your popularity and make an income if you are lucky enough to be popular in a sport like wrestling. Um, many people don't realize like 182 countries uh, wrestle, but uh, you know, for example, only a few play hockey, like the ones with ice and snow and yeah, ice. Yeah. And so it's like one of the most popular sports in the world. And so these guys build up a lot of fame, some of them, especially the Olympic champs, the greats in our sport. And um, I, I wouldn't say I, I was famous enough to fill seats to, to do MMA. Um, and, and you could probably couldn't pay me enough to get punched in the head anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's rough. I, I, I want to hunt sheep. Yeah, I want to hunt sheep and elk, and until I can't walk anymore, you know, getting punched in the head for a living might uh, challenge that. I'd yeah, like although choice better. Although some yeah. sometimes when you're halfway through a, a hard sheep hunt, you feel like you're being punched in the head multiple times. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So a little bit more about wrestling because i'm fascinated by this stuff i'm fascinated by people who are in a position you know they take something they 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 have a dream or they set goals and they just like keep working and uh and they and they just like they just live their dream right they they set goals and they achieve them and to me there's no more like to me that's a definition of success if you set a goal and you work hard to achieve it doesn't matter what your goal is it could be a small goal right um then that that's being successful and like I, I love, I love on your Instagram when I when I first clicked onto it the first time it says uh, I don't believe anything worth doing is easy. I just love that. That's one of my favorite quotes of all times. And my I tell that to my kids daily, so they're probably sick of hearing it. But uh, man, it, you know it just doesn't ring. It, it couldn't ring any truer. So with wrestling, you mentioned there's a hundred what 182 countries that wrestle. Yeah, something like that. It varies. 184, 182, you know, some countries split into two and become two countries. And yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's in the 180s. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you say that because like you look at the popularity of like and the, and the money that's in like a sport of like, say, hockey. Right. And like you said, there's not a lot. I mean, there's, you know, quite a few countries that play hockey, but not a lot. Not 182, I'm sure. And then you look at like how, you know, like look at the, the financial benefits of like being a top end athlete in hockey compared to like wrestling say and you think of like if you think about how far back wrestling goes man it goes back all the way back to roman times when they were wrestling in well i don't know if the romans did it but i'm sure the greeks did it they probably or the greeks were more of like the ball type maybe the romans i think were the ones who were doing wrestling but you think of how far back that history goes and it's like it's funny that there's not like a professional like it's not monetized as much as those other sports when you think of how actually present it is in all these countries and how popular it is worldwide considering you know it's an olympic sport which to me i mean the pinnacle of all sports is the olympics as far as i'm concerned right that's that's i mean you're 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 competing at a world stage i mean there's nothing like it um did you ever did you ever try to go for the olympics or or um yeah yeah uh I have a few things to unpack about it. Um, uh, and, you know, wrestling is my first love. It's my passion. Eh? It's, mm -hmm. uh, wrestling was uh, kind of the gift that keeps on giving in, in my life. It's given me most things that I know in life and it's never left me and I get out of it what I put into it. And it was taught to me as a metaphor for life. Um, but... Just you, you talked about wrestling being very old and I think that's why I love it. It's right there with hunting and fishing. It's as old as man. You know, and um, it, the Greeks definitely wrestled. 
um, you know, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, the, these uh, Greek philosophers, they, they got cauliflower ear, you know, like they, they were taught wrestling father to son throughout the ages. And the oldest countries are usually the best ones at wrestling. Um, like I've spent time in like Baku and Azerbaijan and in the like on the edge of the Caspian Sea, uh, spending time at their Olympic training center and, and wrestling is, you know, as popular or more popular than hockey. And these guys are signing in million dollar contracts and in Iran and okay. India and these heavily populated countries. It's it's huge. Like when okay. I went to Russia, the, the wrestlers are on the billboards in Russia. Like it's okay. the highest regard sport. Yeah, oh, okay. it's a. Uh, it's a hard lens to like, it's a hard thing for people to realize. Even the NCAA wrestlers are famous. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. I, I remember going to Penn state and, and training there a few times. And, and my first time there, I didn't know their team from a hole in the ground. If I'm being honest, it was just the place my coach took me. I knew the training would be solid because he was solid and we believed in the program and we got there. And I remember not beating everybody up. I, I had some really tough matches with some good wrestlers. And I remember, uh, in the shower after looking at my teammate being like, Hey man, like, did you get beat up today too? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and so back then we, we had to get to the hotel room to Google them, eh? Because their phones weren't smartphones back then. And yeah, we yeah. get to the hotel and we looked them up on Twitter and they have 30, 40,000 followers a piece. These God. guys were wrestling. We're like, Holy smokes. They're the best in the country. We didn't even know. Yeah, because didn't even know. We, we didn't follow them. Eh? Yeah. And, but, in their local town, everybody knew them. And as soon as they right. saw us, what are you guys here to wrestle with the team? Yeah. Like even at any store, we couldn't go get groceries or somebody knowing that we were wrestlers and that we were there to wrestle their wrestling team. And they'd tell you every, every point that was ever scored in the last year by some of them. And just want is they're fanatical fans about it. And so I think it's just the lens you look at it through, you know, like mm -hmm. there's yeah. a YouTube video of me wrestling a, a, an Indian it has uh, almost 500,000 hits. It's a, uh, it's a popular sport, just not so much in Canada. So it's, it's hard for yeah, people the, to the, the North America, I guess it, it never, I guess it's, I guess I wonder if that has anything to do with like the WWE, um, you know, or I guess at the time it was WWF, it's WWE now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I wonder if that has anything to do with the popularity of actual, like actual honest wrestling uh, compared to just like, entertainment wrestling yeah definitely stole some thunder um but i like mma has been great for wrestling in north america i'll be honest because i remember like i got my first cauliflower ear and uh if you don't know what that is that's like a hematoma of the ear where you break your ear over and over again and the skin separates from the cartilage fills up with fluid and then hardens eh? Uh, yeah and the only thing i know about cauliflower ears if you know somebody with them or you see somebody with them don't, don't fuck them. with them yeah <laughs> just see and that and that's awesome leave. for us that, that <laughs> yeah, you hear yeah. that but i i remember when people didn't know what it was before mma sensationalized it in north america like when i was 16 and and i was going to say like you get one on your dominant side usually first because you always lead that side of your head when you're mm -hmm. attacking somebody and usually it happens from hitting their hips not from okay. getting hit on the mat or in there like getting punched in the air generally it's from like if you can picture a football tackle with your head to the side right. it's usually you using your head like a battering ram in uh, good positions that that causes it so like i can always tell which when I look at a guy with cauliflower, I can usually tell which hand is dominant just by a glance at his head. Oh, yeah. uh, and I know which leg I'm not going to lead, probably, because that would be yeah, the yeah. one they're going for majority of the time. 
So I remember being like 16, going to my first MMA fight at the Halifax Forum to watch like an old teammate. They were the big shows fighting MMA. And and I remember, you know, when you're nervous, you're a young guy in the washroom and everybody's chit-chatting. I was, I went, my mom dropped me off alone. So I was at this big MMA venue all alone. And I think I was 15 or 16 and I got stopped eh? And on my way out of the bathroom. Guys were like, hey, dude, check this guy's collie out. And next thing I know, there's 20 guys giving the MMA pose next to me, trying to get photos. Because <laughs> I had this big, like this big cauliflower hanging off my head. Um, so I remember. So does it hurt? Like, does the cauli does the cauliflower ears? Do they hurt? Like, does it ever bug you if it's cold or anything like that? Well, now no. Like now they're they to they're me numb? it's no different than a regular ear. I can feel soft it, but it it's okay. just a tougher ear. But when when it originally happens, absolutely. Like when it's still soft, I drained one of my athletes' ears this week. Actually, you just get a needle uh, and syringe, and you stick it in you. You're kind of trying to pull the the swelling out of it while keeping it clean, because um, they'll harden whatever size they stay at. When my first one happened, it was like a golf ball inside my ear of fluid, but then they oh, hardened, okay. so now they're hard as rock, like her hard as cartilage. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. fucking crazy. Huh? Yeah, so yeah, it, it, I was always wonder that because you see guys with them, and you always I always just wonder, I'm like, I wonder if that hurts. So if they're a little more sensitive every time you get hit there, or if they develop like they're a little stronger, like a callus. Yeah, it's more like a callus, I would say. Okay. Yeah, they, they hurt like they hurt like hell when it happens. Originally, it's like I like bet. I say, it's like breaking a nose, but uh, the fluid stays on, like in there, so it's it. You get that hot, burning, mm -hmm. uh, swelling feeling, kind of like water on the knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like playing hockey and stuff, and Pete and I both played uh, fairly competitive hockey, and uh, we played against each other, but didn't last too long i had to lay pete out i think when we were pretty young put him on his yeah. ass set it up straight first and first and only time <laughs> anyway but like you get like a puck or a stick in the lip and it's the same thing right it gets really hard and it hurts like hell and eventually after it goes away now in the lip they do go down a bit but you can still feel like i've gotten some pretty nasty ones and you can still feel like inside of it it's still it's like a heart it's like a little rock in there but yeah, yeah. i got a few of those myself yeah but... i bet you do man oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, back to the Olympics. Did you ever try for the Olympics or was that ever a goal of yours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at a young age, I set that goal. Um, and uh, so the the road to the Olympics for, for wrestlers is extraordinarily more difficult than people could ever imagine. I mean, like I said, 182 countries do it and only 16 countries qualify for the Olympics. So only 16 out of those 182 wow. get in. So you have to be the top 16 in the world just to qualify your country a spot. So being number one in your country is not near enough. Mm -hmm. You have to go to qualification events. And what they do is they reserve regional, there's regional qualifications. So the Pan Americas, North, South and Central America, they get, they get um, two spots reserved out of that 16 for those countries. So if, if your country's top eight in the world championships the year before, then your country gets a spot. And if you're number one in your country, you, you sit in that spot and you go to the Olympics. And then the then there's two for Pan Americas. There's two for um, Asia. Then there's, you know, it, it kind of it cycles around and each quadrennial, it's a little bit different. But um, when I went through, there were two spots for the Pan Americas that I had to qualify in because nobody from Canada placed top eight at the uh, world championships the year uh, prior to the Olympics, and that that was me. I didn't, you know, I didn't qualify. And then 
I, the closest I came at the Pan Am qualifier was fifth. So if I had to make the final, I'd be an Olympian. Crazy. Man, that must be it. That must be an, ex- like you said, just extremely difficult. Well, it's four there. years between them. So wow. you, you make that commitment. I, I was, I wrestled that yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, that's an the event thing. twice. So there's, the, and then I, I tried to try the Olympic trials in Canada. I, I wrestled that three or four times. So it's four years each time of, of commitment of, you know, uh, every bit of being you have inside you, your entire existence has to revolve around it because if you don't, someone else's will. And, and I, and wrestling, you know, I can run over and over again. I'm not going to be the same boat. You know, I'm, I'm not built for it. I'm, I'm not as tall. I, my foot's not the right size for this length of my shank. Like I don't have those genetic predispositions to being a sprinter, but I know in wrestling, I can put my heart and soul into it and I get out of it what I put into it. And that's, one of the reasons I love wrestling so much. Yeah, I love that saying, you get out of it what you put into it, man. And that just rings true with so much you do in life. Um, if you're going to commit to something, commit, go all in. Man, that's cool. Hunting is um, a lot like that. I think that's absolutely. one of the things I love about yeah, hunting. Yeah, it's frustrating yeah. that there's so much luck involved for me because, uh, like, I, you know, I, I want to work for it and earn it all the time. And then sometimes you get back to the truck and a buck walks out. You know, <laughs> I think that can happen with everybody, but I well, think and it's when all you put in. Yeah, go ahead. It's a, oh, sorry, Pete. Anyway, no, no. It's, I was going to say it's all how you look at it, right? Because if you weren't doing all that work before, you wouldn't have been at that point at that exact time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. really, you know, if you weren't putting in all that work, doing all these other things, you wouldn't have been in that exact place at the exact time. You wouldn't have that opportunity. So, yeah, um, it, it's all in perspective. Um, <laughs> You're separating yourself for every other time that's there by putting all that time and effort into it, which, you know, my hats are off to anybody who can do that in any sport. It's yeah. uh, So you, you're from Halifax. Did you do any hunting out there? Sorry. You said you were fishing out there primarily. Yeah. Like, um, so while I was training, uh, you know, I needed some, I started to do a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection, and I'd spend a lot of time outdoors, like, uh, like between every, session wrestling session I, I was going to university and and enjoying uh doing that in my master's um but i spent a lot of time on the water hey and uh mm-hmm. like then got into fly fishing because i liked the top water fishing i thought fly fishing well wow, they only fish on top i thought but that couldn't be further from the truth um but then uh so so i was just fishing all the time i remember i had some training partners who were great wrestlers and one of them was a lifetime hunter from a family of hunters i wasn't and he yeah. said to me he goes every bit that you love fishing when you start hunting it'll be tenfold he he, yeah. he called it first mm-hmm. day and uh he says um like you you gotta do it you gotta try it so i had gone out on a on a hunt uh one time with an old guy who's a lifetime hunter and he kind of showed me the way it just came to me naturally. Um, and I remember him telling me about, uh, he was a realtor and he used to sell homes to save up enough money to get out to Alberta to do sheep hunts. And he was telling me about horseback riding into the mountains and shooting across canyons that mule deer and trying to get sheep. And he had never got one. And it was, and he, he was almost, he's almost 80 now. He's quite old, still running marathons, like earning every day. And I, he inspired me. And I, I, um, I just had this opportunity where I just not qualified for the Olympics. Uh, you know, I just had some, some stuff go on in my life that I needed to change. And um, I swear it was not a month after 
after my first time he, and him telling me about Alberta, I, I uprooted my entire life and moved to Alberta uh, to wrestle, but also, to, you know, to have another kick at the can with a different program. But, but to be honest, I couldn't win anywhere. And I came to Alberta to hunt. That's yeah. Awesome. Man, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I was wondering, I didn't like Halifax. I'm trying to picture what, how much hunting would be out in Halifax. I just didn't think of a lot, but I know like the fishing, I grew up on the coast. Pete spent some time out there too. And like, yeah, I grew up, I, we, we did lots of fishing, man. Ocean oh, yeah. river, fly fishing, tons of that. Like we did it all. It, it's uh it's such a great way to live. And it just, it's a great introduction, like you said, to the outdoors. And then, you know, whether you choose to hunt or to keep fishing or a lot of guys, I know they do both, but yeah, man, it, it's always been, I mean, uh, when I was younger, I, I have to admit, I think I was more, I had a, a bigger passion for fishing, but as I gotten older and I moved down, down here and, uh, we started, you know, my, I remember the first introduction to elk hunting and I was just blown away. Like I, it just, that bull screamed at me. I just, uh, I couldn't get enough of it. I still can't, um. So, I mean, man, that, that's like you uprooted, moved to Alberta and like, you've just been getting after it ever since. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, yeah. Like, um, when I moved there, I didn't know, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't, I didn't even own a rifle. I, uh, hadn't never hardly ever shot a bow. My uncle had taken me to the fire hall or something to shoot bows as a kid a little bit. And I remember that vividly, but, and, uh, and fondly, but, um, yeah, no, I, I just kind of cut my teeth as I went. And I'll be like being a wrestler. It's like very difficult thing to do. Hey, eh? like it's like I keep saying, it's arguably one of the hardest sports. And so with it came a lot of lessons that I, I literally just started applying to to other parts of my life. Um, you know, surround, find somebody who's as obsessed with it as you who's been doing it longer and, and surround yourself with them and, and add, you know, pick their brains. And if you're at the range, shoot next to them and and ask them what's going on and, and just be like a sponge for knowledge and, and, um, and, and work hard each day. So now I find I'm, uh, if I'm not coaching a wrestling practice at 6am, like I am tomorrow, I'm at the range shooting the bow, uh, you know, or, or studying some research articles. I was a grad student, so I like to read a lot of research and uh, I try to learn as much as I can about each species and just, just, I'm just obsessed with it. Cause there's, you don't have enough hours in a lifetime. To, to know everything about these these things I'm obsessed with wrestling hunting and fishing hey they're yeah. as old as time and you'll never know it all and I, I just get obsessed with trying to absorb as much as possible yeah I remember a really great hunter told me once when we were talking about uh, mule deer uh and he said I remember asking him I was like well do you ever think you'll know as much as the mule deer and he's like impossible because the more I know the more they know and they've been they've been avoiding us a lot longer we've been trying to get them um but yeah, man, that's super cool. Oh, mule deer. I love, love mule deer. Yeah, we could so see like we hunted a lot of blacktail. Um, and like my dad, he was he was primarily a moose hunter. And like, um, so you know, as a kid, you'd go moose hunting with him and my uncles, and you know, in five days they'd get five moose type of thing. I mean, it's not like that anymore, but um yeah, and so I just when I when I moved down to South here, I just fell in love with chasing elk and mule deer. I don't know what it is, and I know you and I were talking before about sheep and sheep hunting, and I did quite a bit of sheep hunting and goat hunting. For me, I, like to be honest, I, if you said, "Hey, you get to go on a sheep hunt or a goat hunt," which one would you choose? Choose I'd take goat hunting over sheep hunting. Um, Why is that? I I don't know. I, I to be honest, I just prefer chasing those those 
beautiful white goats than I do. Like what fascinates me about goats and like, don't get me wrong, sheep get into some pretty gnarly stuff as well. But like growing up on the coast, um, you see some of those places that those goats get and it blows your mind away. Like absolutely blows your mind. Like we'd be hunting, you could hunt, you could be traveling down the coast in a boat and you see them up on like up on these cliffs that you literally look like you'd have to fly in to get there or somebody would have to drop them off. And like, they're just sitting up there just, you know, doing their thing. And like, I was always just like fascinated with them and like how they get to these places where they go and like, and still to this day. And like, we have them, they're fascinating creatures, man. Like you think like they live down here in the desert where it's 35, 40 degrees and we see them down here and it just blows my mind how tough and, and versatile those things are. And man, don't get me wrong. I mean, sheep are awesome too in their own right. And, but like we, we were talking back and forth there before you got, we got the show. Um, I just, now all I care, you know, all I just really passionate about is elk hunting and, and like it's bucks and bulls for me. Um, yeah. but let's talk a little bit about like yourself there. So when you moved to, when did you first get into sheep hunting? Was it something that you got into right away or was it like when you moved here, like I, or sorry, moved to Alberta, it was, um, just kind of an evolution. You started with like whitetail then you moved into, you know, chase the mule deer, then elk, and then you kind of up, up the ladder all the way to sheep. Yeah, I mean, I came out with the idea to sheep hunt, uh, but didn't know what that meant at all. Uh, and I want it, it was um, for whatever reason, it was very important for me to try and do it on my own. Okay? Like I wasn't looking to to hire a guide and get out there, which which I would encourage people to probably do because it would give you a kick in the arse to just get out and go or to grab on to somebody else who goes regularly because you would have skipped a whole bunch. Like we, you and I had talked before. Uh, I think Derek had a post about stuff he brings and the idea is just get out, mm-hmm. just, just get out. Yeah. So, like I was obsessed with the uh, gear and I, I think you hit it on the head. I started off with, you know, the white tail locally. I was in Edmonton when I first moved here and I okay. still had a lot of commitments uh, for work. I had to earn a living and and I just moved out West with no family, no backup plan, no, um, you know, no um, support other than from my wrestling program I was wrestling for. And, and uh, none of them were hunters. So they didn't really get why I was working hard all week to work and wrestle and then leave on a weekend to, you know, hike my, lungs out all, uh, up and down the mountains trying to in the pursuit of animals I was going to eat it was just a foreign concept to them but um, eventually you bring a couple of deer home and hang them off your apartment balcony in Edmonton in the alley and, <laughs> and, and you turn a few heads eh? and then the boys Love help that. me cut up the meat and then they're they're trying it and you know I, eventually some of them now are getting their pals and going hunting just mm-hmm. because they like the meat so much and That's yeah awesome. but the evolution I started so I was in Edmonton I would go to like Wilmore and just 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 hike as far as I could on a weekend I used to carry a raft with me in case I killed something I was going to float it back to the truck and, uh, you know, I'd be out on the Kevis Flats and hiking. And I remember guys on horseback being like, uh, are you camping around here? And be like, yeah, yeah, I'm just wherever I get, I'm going to camp. And you know, I remember them being like, all alone? I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, I, I imagine they took one look at me and knew I was greener than grass. And we're a little concerned for my well-being because uh, I, I just started going. I didn't have the stuff. Yeah, they um, probably looked at you and seen your ears and they're like, I bet you this guy got his head ranked too get many out of times. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I do get that. He's way back, yeah, he's way back <laughs> here. He must be crazy. 
yeah that's the way they looked at me and they had the funniest questions like like are you good and i'd be like i i think so and but their concern would always make me question it eh? mm, yeah yeah <laughs> um but like even when i was fishing you know i was fly fishing the rivers like famous salmon rivers like the miramichi river for atlantic salmon and and back home our salmon populations are pretty low they're in the in endangered or at-risk species and handling them is you know only the guides handle them even when you catch them hey eh? they hold them for the photo that type of thing and and it, everybody's taking extra care of them and it's a lot like the sheep hey eh? here like like it's a you know it's an expensive weekend to go to a lodge and fish atlantic salmon where i'm from uh, but us locals would just like take a five day mm -hmm. canoe trip and and take everything to the extreme that we could. And so I just hit the ground running, taking everything to the extreme. But I, I didn't know what I didn't know, man. If if yeah. I could have done it all over again, I would have just started hiking mountains like I do now. And uh, I accumulated the gear and confidence over time. It, it felt like every time I went out, I was going a little further because you just you, you get that. They call it wanderlust, but it's more like. Uh, like just a confidence competence thing in my in my mind the more competent i got the more confident i got in my abilities to you know i'll be okay yeah 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 well and it's that mental toughness you have too that you've developed over a lifetime of working hard and like like you said you're earning it every single day and like a lot of hunting and like wrestling and a lot of this too is like mentally tough and like knowing that if you just work harder if you work hard every day that you're going to get the results and you might not get it. It's not going to be instant. It's not going to be instant gratification, but you know, you trust the process where it's like, like with your wrestling, you know, if you worked hard, you were going to see the results. Like you said, you didn't have, you maybe didn't have the perfect build or, uh, or, or physique for something or something else. But with wrestling, you knew what you put into it, you're going to get out of it. And like you said, hunting is the same way. If you're fully committed and you're really willing to work hard and you're willing to, you know, fall down, make mistakes, get up again and not be afraid to keep, you know, to keep doing it. Uh, you're going to be successful over time. Eventually it's going to happen. Right. But you have to it, like, it, it's not it, just like your wrestling career. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be an evolution. Yeah. And um, I think like, like I wasn't at first hunting the way I am now. I, like I said, wrestling was a commitment. And then I went through this, um, this transition where I retired from wrestling. Uh, my old man had passed away. He slipped on ice, hit his head at a at oh. work, had an accident and, and passed away randomly. And, and then I retired from wrestling in the same year and went through a bit of an identity crisis as anybody who's ever lost a major business or ever mm -hmm. invested, put all their eggs in one basket and then fa failed or, or came out um, unsatisfied. Uh, it, it, retirement. It's tough, no matter how you look at it, no matter what it is. And, and when your identity's wrapped up in it, it's even harder. And um, so I went through this lull, this like, this low point. I was dating a girl down here in Lethbridge. Um, and so I decided in my retirement that um, I'd move down here rather than uh, ask her to move up there for my commitments. They kind of fell through. So I was like, well, I hear the South has good mule deer hunting. So, <laughs> so I decided to uproot my life again and, and move down here to the South um, with the commitment to try and, you know, make a family and, uh, and, and make something of it. Um, and I spent the first year, almost the full year of, uh, of that time where like my life didn't revolve around wrestling and I needed a replacement. 
Um, and, and I kind of avoided wrestling for the first bit, actually, when I moved here, it was, a, it was kind of a low point in, in my life, you know, trying to, I, I did like kind of a vision quest where for the first month I was here, I didn't even look for work. Uh, I just grabbed my bow, uh, and, and, and left and hunted mule deer for like a whole month. I did. I just lived in my truck and chased mule deer. And I, I think I got more experience with a bow chasing mule deer in that month than most guys would uh you know in, in many years i would imagine of going on weekends so it was just i lived out there with them and and chased the same deer every day from opening day until i got them at the end of the month and then it went right from there to whitetail and elk and i i basically spent that entire season not working and just hunting and it was the best time of my life oh i bet i, I know when like you when i i remember i talked to um a few guys that study mule deer and they say the same thing. They're like, man, if, if, if you think you, you knew, you know, mule deer, go spend a month in the mountains with them and then you'll really know them. So, um, you know, that's something obviously I've, I've never done. I've never, you know, I've never been able to do it. I have other commitments, but man, the, the knowledge that you must've gained is worth a lifetime. I, I would say like with the bow, that was the first target because where I grew up. So you were, you're asking about the hunting back home. Well, we we have whitetail and black bear, but I had never seen a mule deer. I didn't I didn't even know what yeah. a mule deer was till I moved out here and learned about them being divided in the ice age and and they're just bigger and cooler and uh, and then to hunt them out on the badlands and the prairie where there's rattlesnakes and cactus. It was like being on another planet from where I'm from, man. Like the Atlantic coast is is so foreign to to what the landscape is like here, and so every day I was just out there trying to figure out myself but also how to get these freaking deer and I remember like it's it was such a profound experience when I finally arrowed the deer that I had named like actually my uh my ex-girlfriend now uh had a name for that deer before we had ever met and had told me about this deer and then opening day I spotted him and I knew it was him sent her a photo of him and yeah that's the the one they call tulip head because when he lays down in the sage it looked his antlers almost touched at the top it looked like a tulip that's cool yeah yeah so and I spent I had names for all the deer out on these properties because I'd spent so much time with them and they'd given me the slip and you know how they change beds like you'll spot them and then you'll dip out of sight and they'll get up and they'll just move to a bed just just outside of where you had last seen them because they knew you saw them, but they didn't move kind of like a frog doesn't. I remember yeah, catching yeah. frogs as a kid. They think you can't see them if they don't move. Uh, the mule deer do that to you out there. And then as soon as you drop out of sight and they know you're out of sight, well, they get up and change beds. And so you go sneak in on that bed and they're not there and you're standing where they're supposed to be. And then you see them running away and they're the blip on the horizon laughing at you. Oh yeah. man, they used to drive me crazy. Yeah, for sure. I I've never hunted mule deer in the prairies. Like I've I've hunted antelope and elk and stuff, other stuff. My brother actually lives in uh, red deer, so I spent you know a fair bit of time out there. Probably not as much as I should, but uh, it's a lot different hunting mule deer here in British Columbia, right? They're in lot. They they like the thick stuff. They like you know there's real not goat country, but not far off. Um, so they put themselves in places where they know they can get out of if they have to in case of predators. But yeah, they're such an amazing animal. I read, so, I read um, some research about their gait, uh, making them so superior in, in steep country because they hop instead of run. And, yeah, yeah, they and, stop. and then learning how yeah. they evade prey 
and, and then and then like it's i think like out here on the prairie it's almost sacrilege to hunt them with a rifle because they they just run out 100 yards and then turn back to see if you're chasing them and you can just smoke them hey eh? it's even in our hunting manual i think that they do that they give you the cheat code on day one like hey if you're hunting <laughs> them with a rifle just just wait they'll turn around and look at you yeah. broadside but yeah. with a bow it's a worthy adversary like oh, they're yeah hunting at uh not letting anything in their bubble yeah for uh, sure yeah, especially I'm those upset. mature bucks but yeah valerius guys he studied those he studied mule deer for, yeah. for a year and he's written lots of books on literature um and yeah he talked about that he talked about them over how they evolved into you know being the ultimate uh predator evader in areas you know steep areas where they can just av uh, avoid predators just by stodding yeah, it was um, his research that I was referring to, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Valerius Geist. Yeah, what a, what a great man. Um, so what about elk? When did you first dive into elk, and what was that like? Well, I um, uh, well, I had um, I my first year looking for elk was actually pretty wild. I uh, I had some uh, like I said, I seeked out mentors, and there was a a guy in the wrestling community who owns his own outfitters, McNeese Outfitters out of okay. Cochrane, uh, Alberta, um, the south side of Calgary. And, um, and anyway, there, he was a friend of mine to wrestling. His, his sons wrestled, uh, during my time and, and he was kind of a, a mentor coach type guy to me and, and, and an avid hunter, like a pretty well-known outfitter in the area. And, um, he kind of convinced me, you know, if your first elk hunt, like, uh, just apply for these numbers in the draw and you'll get dope or, uh, cow tags, and um, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I just said, oh, I want to hunt elk because elk's cool. So I took his, you know, his advice and ran with it and got two cow tags. And I remember the the opening weekend, I um, because it was a late season cow tag, I couldn't really hunt them. But I was, opening weekend, I went to the Wilmore and was just still hunting and saw some, uh, I'd stopped on the edge of a river and um, saw some some cow elk butts and and decided to stalk in there and i was so man i this was so funny i had one of those uh candle or like the scents you light like it's on the stick and it burns and i yeah. i tucked it into the back of my hat oh. i'll never forget it so that i could see which way the wind was going oh okay, and i yeah. and i walked i walked and you smell and it covered my smell i thought yeah, but yeah. now i don't think about making myself stinky anymore i don't think that works but uh at the time i was like wearing it kind of like a feather in the cap and um and I stalked in there on the creek and I had perfect wind and I walked in and I was trying to get on these cows again and next thing I know one picked its head up and it hit the it, it had just we had just had a fresh snowfall and when she hit it the snow all fell on her head eh? and she's chewing some some cud or whatever and and um and then all of a sudden she barked at me and the all around me started to move i didn't realize there was like 40 50 cows all around me <laughs> oh I you're in it yeah the middle of them and they all started moving and the snow started falling from the trees and then this bull came out this beautiful bull i remember it was like my first day with a rangefinder. i had him at 40 yards and he came out and snorted at me it was first thing in the morning you know like yeah. the yeah. This the, yeah. the steam or the the condensation coming from his nose it's still painted and ingrained in my mind like like the most beautiful image and i had nothing but cow late season cow tags in my pocket 
hey, and this bull, le- legal bull in the Wilmore. And, and then it ran out across the river and then held broadside on the edge of the river looking back at me. I had it in the crosshairs. I remember like tear, like a single tear rolling down my cheek. Yeah. I was like, why do I have freaking cow tags? Never again. And oh. uh, so I cried myself to sleep that night. But on my way out, I took a different route out and found a mo- like a, a nice moose shed. My first one ever laying in the river. And only because I, I went out that way. And I said, well, that was my consolation for, for you know, passing cool. on the bull. Man, that's <laughs> awesome. That's a good experience. Not very often, especially cows. Like, it's not easy to sneak into a group of cows, man. For not sure. that many, that's- especially. Like, yeah. Well, still hunting is still to this day the pretty much the only way i like to hunt like i i'm obsessed with still hunting i you can't i have a bit of the touch of the adhd hey so yeah. <laughs> I, I struggle to sit man i have infinite stories where i'd sit and rattle and then be bored 10 minutes later get up and start walking and there's a buck that i on his yeah, way that was in coming that into I, your row yeah <laughs> we've all done that yeah yeah that's painful i've done that so many times and be like well nothing's coming in turn around be yeah. like oh yeah i literally did that with a buddy this year we were both like man i can't sit and he's like me neither he's like this is why we don't tree stand hunt and we turned around and a buck was on his way in yeah for sure i i like still hunting to me too is like man like i love like spot and stocks the way i like i love spot and stock still hunting i find i have a really hard time just like pacing finding a good pace because i find like i always start out slow but then I just like creep up faster and faster and faster. Yeah. If I, I have to really like, I have a hard time still hunting where I can like my cadence would just be like, like Pete is like perfect at it. Like just like two steps, stop glass. Like he's just like chill out there. Like the ice. Yeah, I think uh, I hunt differently depending on the species. Hey, like obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. but like I usually um, will kind of uh, still hunt to where I want to be or still hunt in a certain area that I've targeted on when I'm e-scouting. And then, you know, and then you sit in glass, like to spot and stock from different areas. So I kind of time my day out based on their activity, you know, in the morning, I'll probably be up high glassing, Mm -hmm. um, drinking my morning coffee. And then as it heats up and everything goes to bed, I'll still hunt through their bedding area. Um, You know, depending on how the land is kind of dictates how you are. One of my favorite quotes, I, I wish I knew who originally said it, but it was Stephen Ranella. I heard say it, but he says that the the animals are instruments played by their landscape. Mm-hmm. And and I when I I posted something that said that once, and one of my biologist friends uh, kind of commented that they they look at it differently in in their studies is that uh, you, you know the landscape doesn't dictate the animal; the animals kind of shape the landscape. Yeah. But I think they're looking at it over time, and I'm looking at it to hunt the animal. Hey, yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. There's certain areas that like are going to have consistent wind. There's certain areas that are going to, that are going to swirl. And I, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I learned hunting elk was that uh, a lot of times when they bed up, they'll bed up in the, in these micro chasm chasms where as soon as you drop elevation from anywhere, it's going to swirl and they're going to have their best guess of which mm-hmm. way it's coming from, which they won't know. Sometimes they'll run right at you to get out of there. Um, if you're in their exit, but, they'll usually have a few different routes and uh, and just pick one as soon as they smell something's wrong and they get out of there. So they're impossible to stock in on when they're bedded sometimes because they'll only bed in those areas. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They, they're definitely, um, you know, they definitely use their, their habitat to their advantage for sure. So 
what so like you now you're down in Lethbridge, you hunt sheep in where can you hunt sheep in Alberta? Is it do you have to go north to hunt sheep? Or can you hunt um, like can you hunt Rockies like well, along the Canmore? I will get crucified for talking about where to hunt sheep by my period. <laughs> well, I mean, like where is it? Yeah, where is it open there? Um, well, for a resident in Alberta, so that's the other thing why I became a uh, why I moved here was because residents get a general sheep tag for, okay. for the big horn of May. So mm-hmm. we can hunt any anywhere that you can hunt. Um, so yeah, we have like a, like an infinite amount of crown land in my mind. There's more crown land here, I think, than the entire province of Nova Scotia, uh, when yeah, you're talking about yeah. eh? so, Which is crazy to think of because like when you think of, like when we think of like being from BC, when we think of Alberta, we think of it primarily being farmland, you know, yeah. same as Saskatchewan, but there is a lot of crown land there. There's a lot of public access land there too. I was just wondering... So there are is there is there Californias out there in Alberta or are they all Rockies? Uh no, I don't think we have Californias. Uh I know that I've seen some in the in like in BC on that side when I've driven yeah, yeah. through. There's some yeah. like micro areas that I believe Yeah, like down where I am, we have sheep, you know, on both sides of the lake. There is an yeah. LEH where you can put in for where they give out uh LEH tags, but it's not open here you have to go a little further north and inland for it to be open but yeah primarily i mean but we also have doll sheep stones rocky right. and bighorn we have all four species oh of i know here. you guys are the mountain destination i'm going to be hunting in bc here soon you watch yeah. um but we we kind of have bighorn like uh you can hunt as as low as lethbridge uh okay on, yeah on, yeah on, on the scale all the way up because uh, yeah, montana has them too so you know yeah. there's a nice little uh we, like in the grizzly corridor, as they call it sometimes in some circles, there's mm-hmm. quite a bit of sheep moving up and down those mountains. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Interesting. Um, were you going to say something? No, no. That's interesting. Cause I was wondering the same thing. I just, I pictured trying to picture exactly not, not up your no telly Creek secret spot kind of deal, but yeah, yeah just no. in general, I was picturing it be actually being a little farther North than south yeah. when it came to hunting them. That's all. Yeah, I yeah, well, well, I guess along the Rocky Mountains, the, yeah, the border, like along Canmore, I mean, that's got to be, you know, prime Rocky Mountain yeah. sheep territory because that's, you know, that that's right through the Rocky Mountain, like the edge of the Rocky Mountain corridor there. Have you, have you heard of the Waterton Lakes National Park? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, there was a there was a like a world renowned uh, big horn that was hanging out in that park and that that's south close to the border here. Okay. I think that's even further south than I am. So that it's like an hour and a half from where I'm living right now. Um, so that it, I mean, it's very accessible to Albertans all up and down. Um, so they and and then you have the parks that kind of have them protected, but then we have our wilderness parks and the, and then the crown land that all surrounds it, and, and it's a pretty awesome hunt. Yeah, so a lot I mean, of our well, sheep just went leh all along our side i'm on the other side of the border like right on the edge of it i'm in invermere okay yeah so very close to like you know as far as the crow flies you're just across straight across from calgary basically but in the mountains um but everything south for whatever reasons they just put them all on leh but it was general in those areas for for the longest time yeah up until the last synopsis yeah you guys were talking about goats i i've seen a lot of goats in in the last year especially on my sheep hunts um, really which was great to see on our side like a lot of goats i mean when it, i was so, in fernie there was tons when i was out there fishing but i've been fishing the old man river 
system down here and had and had goats and, and kids with babies like the right mm-hmm. above me uh, on the river because it's all cliffed in on the rivers mm-hmm. and I've I've been fly fishing on the cliffs and look up and there's a uh, goats right above me. Um, That's cool, man. When you do that, when you're yeah. sitting there fishing, fly fishing, you look up and you just see goats sitting up there looking at you. And not a care yeah. in the world just looking at you like sheep you know. too. I, I woke up in the morning to go fly fishing out in those areas and, and had like three rams bedded up above me uh, on a ledge uh, just awesome. watching me fly fish. It was like an audience. Pretty cool. So is, is there a, is, there a goat season there? Is it like an LEH or is it closed in, in all of uh, Alberta? There's a small zone that I, that I'm aware of and it's a lottery tag and there's not very many of them given out. I'd like to see that change. Yeah. So most of our stuff's priority points, as you probably know, um, which, which I, I think is a one, if you ask me, I I think that's much better, but the goat one's a lottery uh, until they change it. But, uh, and there's only two spots, I think. Yeah, that's interesting that they they put that on a lottery system and the rest is priority points. I know, like we have a lottery system here, and I am not a fan of the lottery system because, like, you have guys, some guys who put into you know some they put in for some LEHs, and twenty years goes by and they never get it, and then you get some guys, you'll get a guy from Cranbrook who puts in for it, gets it, and doesn't go. Yeah, and it's like, man, you know, like they just you know it, it but I mean that. BC and its wildlife management, just everything is just uh, it's just a bloody mess. And I know, like yeah, like I said, my brother lives out in uh, Alberta, and I have a lot of friends out there. And and Derek, he he's out in Lethbridge, as you know as well. Um, but yeah, uh, man, that's super cool. That's uh, I think... how about antelope? You ever chase antelope out there? Uh, not yet. That's a hard tag to get to. Yeah, that's a twelve-year uh... tag or something, isn't it out there? Yeah, I'm like I'm sitting at six or seven now. I've only been in Alberta that long, so yeah. Um, so and and uh, but I hope soon to get an archery tag or something for one of those because I see them every time I'm out, yeah. out east. So I can go an hour and a half east and I'm hunting. Uh, excuse me, um, mule deer and seeing antelope everywhere. And and there's some pretty good whitetail hunting if I'm being honest out on the prairie too in the ag- agriculture. <laughs> areas like where they're growing corn and stuff that's infested with them and they're kind of out competing the mule deer even in my short period of time out here the the whitetail seem to be um uh, uh you know multiplying but um yeah then, we know that everywhere we know that out here yeah direction. hour and a half in the other direction i have uh, a full curl sheep zone you know yeah. and uh and and then on the edges right. the 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 foothills or the you know the ranch lands there's the elk so it's just mm-hmm. like it, to me it's it's a pretty awesome playground yeah we're we're definitely blessed to be here in western canada and just have uh access to the animals that we have i mean uh we, we talk to a lot of guys you know down in the the lower 48 and um when we get into talking uh, you know what we have um what we can you know what we can go hunt just over the counter they're just like wow like i mean you know we can just go buy a over-the-counter goat tag or or you know sheep elk and you, you have the ability to hunt literally you know three different species of deer bear sheep um elk and moose you know and essentially it's the same in alberta and like yeah we're definitely pretty blessed oh it's i moved for it so mm-hmm. i mean i uprooted my whole life and, and uh and ran up to the other side of the continent from anybody who ever knew or loved me for it so if you know got to get in while the getting's good yeah, okay. yeah. yeah ain't that's <laughs> really unfortunately for sure <laughs> I have well, no buddy, it's been a, yeah, 
Awesome, man. It's been uh, it's been wicked catching up with you, dude. I'm uh, I'm glad you know we, we it was just, this was kind of short notice and it was kind of a fumble on my my time the scheduling. So I appreciate your patience and and thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, you got anything to add, Pete? Oh, it's uh, just always nice meeting people who are so dedicated to uh, to their passion, whatever that passion may be. So yeah, love talking to people that do what you're doing. It's uh, it's great to to meet new people doing it. Yeah, and I and I love the quotes that you're throwing out there too. Earning every day, and you only get out of it what you put into it. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, that's to me, it's inspiring to see other other guys just going at it day in day out and 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 finding success. So, um, you know, thanks for coming on the show, and and we'll talk soon. Yeah, I hope to see you guys. Talk to you again. Absolutely. Okay, talk to you later, Pete. You betcha.